Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is America's Trucking Network with Kevin Gordon. Welcome aboard. Thanks for tuning in. Certainly appreciate it. As always, we are loaded for bear with the news of the day. And, of course, a little programming note. Later on the program, we're going to be having Ellen Voya. She is uh, the chief uh, financial officer, president, and founder of Women in Trucking. And we've got a whole lot of things to talk to with with her about what's going on. They've got a conference coming up in November, as well as their member of the month segment that we always do here on the program. Let's run down some of the headlines real quick and uh, look at what we're going to get into today. Trucking is caught in the crossfire of the Fed's war on inflation. Um, Why is the diesel prices uh, still such a gap between uh, gasoline as, um, you know, two years ago, that number was almost like within 10 cents of each other. And now they're a dollar or more separated. There is some merger and acquisition activity. And there's a couple of uh, businesses or a couple of trucking companies that have ceased operations or that have filed for bankruptcy. So let's get right to it. Rate hikes may double down on truckload demand declines in 2023. You know, as the Fed raises their interest rates, uh, as they did the other uh, few weeks ago with the 75 basis points, that is pushing, putting pressure on the various manufacturers, putting pressure on the various companies that um, make goods and then haul goods or that, that provide goods to be hauled. And that is then putting some pressure on the freight companies because as they are trying to make sure that they establish their rates appropriately, according with um, rising gas prices as they are now rising again. And we don't have any information yet today um, as we're recording whether or not OPEC is going to cut production. Uh, they have been talking about cutting production by a million barrels per day just to prop up that price. And there's been some speculation that they may even lower it by two, two million barrels per day, which is really going to be uh, a, a problem. Main purpose of raising interest rate is subdue demand primarily for goods, while the interest rate increases only directly influences the interbank rate. However, that rate is always tied to your mortgage or credit card or even financing for trucks. So that puts then pressure on anybody that's interested in buying a truck. Now, interestingly enough, we've been suffering through for the last year the problem that we're having with the chip manufacturers and not having the adequate chips in order to build out these trucks, the new trucks. And then that has created then the the downstream where if people can't buy new trucks, then they're looking for at least late model trucks. And that has driven the price of those up, in some cases, um, 50 60%. Now, we've seen that in the used car market because anybody that's been out there and tried to buy a used car over the last year or so, you've seen those prices jump by 44% because people just do not have the chips in order to manufacture these cars and finish them out. Uh, There's a couple of places here in the greater Cincinnati area, at least in driving distance, where there's actually a full parking lot 
of Ford trucks that have just been sitting there waiting on additional parts and waiting on the parts to be available. And now that the supply chain has kind of started loosening up a little bit and we're getting some of these imports in, getting the chips available and, and start production, all of a sudden now the interest rates are going up. So the cost of financing that vehicle, which would have been a little bit less a couple of years ago, is now creating a problem as far as whether or not you want to make that investment. Uh, we do have some information, and uh, hopefully we might get to it today, but where there's been this seesaw in um, uh, uh, trucking where, um, as far as used trucks are concerned, the prices are coming down a little bit, but not quite as much as people would have anticipated. So anyway, uh, that's part of the problem that's going on. Bottom line for trucking is that financing costs increase, fewer purchases are made by business and consumers, meaning fewer goods are transported. And as you know... Uh, trucking is a leading economic indicator. When you see trucks out on the highway, it may be for the four-wheelers, for you four-wheelers out there, it might be a little aggravation because you see all these trucks and, and it's, it's, you know, you see them. And, you know, when they're going uphill, obviously they're going to add to some traffic congestion. And then when you have a truck, uh, as we did in terms of looking at traffic flows when we were talking about some things relating to a bridge project here or an outer belt that a group of, I was with was pushing. When you take a truck off the highway uh, through a bypass, that's equal to taking at least 10 cars off the road at that time because even though you'd line cars up next to a truck and it may only be like five car lengths long, but by the time they have the um, the gaps between where they have to stop and start and then it takes them a while to get up to speed, you have generally about another four or five car lengths beyond that. So for every truck on a bypass that comes off, you have about uh, every truck, you have about 10 vehicles. Now, I mean, that that's great, but, you know, when you don't have the bypass and they're on the road and it seems like it's an aggravation to you, just remember, as a leading economic indicator, the more trucks on the road, that means the more goods that are being uh, brought to the stores and available on the shelves. Now, uh, 71%, 72% of everything you see in a store, I don't care what store you go into, I don't care if it's a convenience store or it's a clothing store, sporting goods store, whatever, 72%, almost 72% of that is brought to you by truck. And so if there's a lot of trucks on the highway, that means that there's a lot of goods moving, which means that there's a lot of manufacturers working, producing those goods, putting those available to be trucked to a distribution center and then on to the individual stores. And as we covered yesterday, one of the things that, that's going on now is that gearing up for the uh, holiday season, Target, Walmart, and all these have pre-ordered their goods and gotten those in now and, and are storing those in inventory in anticipation with inflation that those rates are going to be going up. And so they want to beat the price increase. Plus, they want to stretch out the holiday season so that people can get in and buy the goods that they want for the holiday season, uh, again, as their paycheck can go as far as it goes before inflation really kicks, kicks in even further and they lose uh, purchasing power with their dollar. So so instead of having the Christmas season, which is kind of shrunk, you know, what they do is between, you know, basically Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now this is being extended, as they were indicating, the end of September or even into the, the end of, of August. So you have these stores that are gearing up. We've also seen in a couple of story, uh, a couple of stories a few weeks ago that all of these different 
different distribution centers, whether it's Amazon or whoever, instead of doing this just-in-time kind of inventory where you have goods coming in and, and as the last item goes off the shelf, the new item gets replaced, this just-in-time inventory works great when you've got a great supply chain and you don't have any interruptions. But when you have COVID lockdowns in China and the manufacturers over there are shut down, they're not working, and it takes for every week that they're down, it takes another six weeks for them to get back up and running. You've got this supply chain issue where, you know, the goods aren't being manufactured, then they're not being on the ships, then they're not getting to the port, they're not getting to the trucks, and they're not getting on the shelves. So in anticipation of that, a lot of these stores have gone back to, and, and the distribution centers have gone back to, acquiring more warehousing space or building these temporary warehouses so that they can um, uh, store more goods. But again, that is causing pressure as far as the uh, freight companies and the hauling companies from the standpoint that of whether or not they've got enough drivers that can get this stuff into the individual locations when it's crunch time as opposed to being spread out over a, a couple of period of times. Uh, the problem is that interest rate change takes about 12 months to fully hit the economy, which with these rising interest rates, that is going, we're not going to be seeing the effect of the rising interest rates for another 12 months. So we're not even seeing yet the impact of the first increase from a couple of months ago, let alone the other two increases at 75 basis points. So again, that is where trucking industry is caught in a crossfire as the Fed tries to do this war on inflation and keep the uh, inflationary pr pressure down. Uh, Obviously, the trucking industry is going to be caught in the middle of that. Uh, coming up, we're going to have oil and gas prices, second segment. And then later on in the program, we're going to have Ellen Voya, CEO, president, and founder of Women in Trucking. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. The latest news, traffic, weather. Mike McConnell has a whole morning of it. This morning at 5 on 700 WLW. Since 1973, OOIDA has been along for the drive. Well, W, thanks for hanging with us. I certainly appreciate it. As I always say, I'm here because you're there. And I love it that way. Uh, as we always do in the second segment here, let's take a look at oil and gas prices. West Texas Intermediate Crude is at, uh, currently at $86.30 a barrel. That is up $2.67 just from yesterday, or a 3.19% increase. Brent Crude is at $91.59 a barrel. That is up $2.73, or $3.07. Or percent on the day looking at national and of course we'll explain why gas price or oil prices are high later on but let's uh, look at uh, national average for gas prices current national average is at three dollars and 81 cents that's up a couple of pennies from just yesterday and we're seeing gas prices going up 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 now compared to a year ago when gas prices were at three dollars and 20 cents we are currently up uh it's uh, 61 cents <clears throat> just from this time last year, that's a 19% increase. Then when you compare it to two years ago when gas prices were at $2.26, that's up $1.55 or 67%. Taking a look at uh, diesel prices, 
Currently, the national average is $4.86. Now, that's coming down, which is <clears throat> interesting because gas prices are, are, are rising and d diesel prices there have been this gap between the two and slowly but surely that that gap is narrowing but when you compare the diesel prices to a year ago when uh, we were paying three dollars and 36 cents per gallon we're up a dollar 50 a gallon on just a um, one gallon of diesel which is a 45 percent increase then when you compare that to two years ago when we were paying $2.39 for a gallon of diesel. That is up $2.47. Folks, that is a 103% increase. And as I often do, I remind you that as of 2020, for the first time since 1949, we were energy independent for the first time. 71 years it took us to get to oil independence during the Trump administration, and we were drilling on on federal lands. We were drilling in the Gulf. We were drilling in Anwar. Um, Keystone XL pipeline was uh, coming on board, and just the anticipation of that, um, based on stories that we've read uh, earlier, where when the Keystone pipeline was coming on board. People were anticipating that that was built into the crude oil prices on, on the worldwide market. And that was actually keeping oil prices down about 15 to 20 dollars a barrel. Just the anticipation. And we've talked about this. And, you know, looking at the oil prices, for instance, OPEC is supposed to be meeting and they're talking about. Uh, we talked about yesterday that they're meeting, that they were talking about decreasing their production volume by a million barrels per day. Now, that's going to have a significant in, uh, increase in oil or oil prices, but also on the downside as far as gas prices are concerned. And the latest that they're talking about, uh, one of the last things I read, was that they're actually even thinking in terms of a 2 million barrel per day decrease. And in the past, they used to be comfortable with oil being in the 60 to $70 range. That was the happy talk or the talk that they were doing just uh, two years ago. But now, all of a sudden, they're saying that, well, okay, well, we haven't gotten punished too much. If we got oil prices closer to $100 a barrel, we can make a heck of a lot more money. So why don't we do that? And again, when we were driving the oil prices in this country from this country because of our production, that was keeping them in check and keeping oil prices regulated around the world. And we could do that easily again. But when you don't have that pressure, that competition, so to speak, they're free to do what they want. And so I keep asking the question, why do we send all this money? There's, We had the story a few months, a couple of weeks ago, talking about that. There, it's anticipated that they're going to have $1.7 trillion pumped into their economy as a result of oil prices. Why aren't we pumping that $1.7 billion into our, I'm sorry, trillion dollars into our economy? Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? And as I've said before, we drill a lot more efficiently. We drill a lot more environmentally friendly. And we dr uh, drill a lot more uh, efficiently. And I said efficiently. But the bottom line is, is that why are we, I mean, if, if you've got a country over there that doesn't care about human rights, do you think that they really care about the environment, that they're drilling efficiently and um, um, 
in terms of what's good for the uh, the environment? No. But we are here, and we should be doing that here. Now, as far as gas prices, you know, we've talked about this before. One of the reasons that that's going up, of course, they have shifted. Um, uh, of course, they have had to shift to the heating oil, which, by the way, for the oil refineries is a lot more efficient and a lot more um, uh, they have a lot more margin. They make more money off of heating oil, but it's not like you can't switch to that and start making that because we're going into the winter season. And with them anticipating that the driving season was over, that people aren't going to be on vacation, that we're in the middle of a recession, that people are going to be driving less and, and, and making fewer trips and, and that type of thing, that they didn't build up the stockpiles of gasoline the way they normally would. And so we're seeing this pressure of, of less supply and higher demand than anticipated. So as we see the uh, gas prices going up, I, I was listening to a, a story last night where they're talking about even in Cal I mean, w we talked about, and we've talked about this on a regular basis, but just to remind you that nationwide gas prices in California are the highest on average. The average price in California right now is $6.41. In Mississippi, the average price there is three oh six. It. <laughs> California is double the price of Mississippi. And we've talked about how they have to reformulate their gas a certain way so that uh, to be more environmentally friendly according to the standards of California. So they distill and they refine their gasoline different than everybody else in the country. And because of the environmentalists there, they don't want pipelines coming into there. So they don't really have a source of 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 oil coming into their areas that they can refine. They have to depend on imports. Something like 70% of what they get comes from overseas. And when it has to come from overseas, it's a heck of a lot more expensive than if you're bringing it in from your own country and piping it into your own distilleries and to your refineries. And again, when we look at refineries in this country, I've got a daughter that's 47 years old. She is younger than the newest oil refinery that has ever been built in the last oil refinery that was built in this country. We have not built a new refinery in this country in the last 40, almost 50 years. And we have uh, several uh, refineries that have closed either due to fires or uh, natural uh, occurrences or storms, damage down in the Gulf, et cetera. We've talked about that. But again, that gives you an indication of what's going on as far as the oil and gas prices. And then to kind of finish up, uh, rub uh, salt in the wound here a little bit. Uh, my uh, neck of the woods, gas is currently at $3.59 and diesel is at four forty nine. So uh, we're certainly well below the national average. So uh, coming up, uh, bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking about uh, today in history and uh, later on in the program, we're going to be talking to Ellen Voya, um, president, CEO, and founder of Women in Trucking. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Many Russian reporters are claiming the Russian army is falling apart in Ukraine. With the 1230 report, I'm Sean McCormick. Breaking now. Setbacks for Moscow. Russian military bloggers embedded with Russian troops are reporting the collapse of an entire section of Moscow's front line outside the southern Ukraine city of Kyrgyzstan. 
and the U.S. pledging another $625 million in American military hardware and ammo. ABC's Ian Pinnell reports from Ukraine. Russian reporters are saying that their forces are outnumbered and outgunned and that in many places it's Ukraine that has better men, better intelligence and weapons thanks to that Western support. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. As we head to our Wednesday daybreak, clear skies, a morning low of 42. The rest of our Wednesday, mostly sunny, by high 73. At night, increasing clouds, a low down of 48. And then a slight chance of rain on Thursday. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning, Chief Meteorologist Steve Raleigh. News Radio 700 WLW. Radar is clear. It is currently 48 degrees. The driver of a pickup truck which smashed through the front doors of the Alabama Fish Bar in OTR Tuesday is facing possible OVI charges. The accident occurred with just two customers in the restaurant. No one was injured. Major damage was incurred. The restaurant just remodeled earlier this year. The Reds' final game of the 2022 season will be later today at Great American Ballpark. First pitch is at 410, and the game can be heard right here on the big one. The Reds beat Chicago last night 3-2. The team is hoping to sweep the Cubs at home in order to avoid a 100-loss season. Our next update at 1 o'clock. I'm Sean McCormick, News Radio 700. WLW. On the Happiness Formula podcast, Dr. Barry Schwartz, best-selling author of The Paradox of Choice and what... Here's your trucking forecast for the tri-state and the rest of the country. In the tri-state overnight, a clear sky, the low dropping to 43. Wednesday, sunny, a high of 75. Mostly sunny Thursday, highs in the upper 70s. Nationally, an upper-level low associated with the remnants of Ian will continue to produce rainfall, strong winds, and coastal flooding in the mid-Atlantic through Wednesday evening as sustained onshore flow impacts the region. Rainfall totals of 4 to 8 inches have already been reported across coastal New Jersey as waves of moisture have pushed on shore throughout the last several days. With additional totals of 1 to 2 inches possible for the Delmarva Peninsula northward into southern New England. Temperatures 15 to 25 degrees below normal continued Tuesday from the outer banks of North Carolina to the New York City metropolitan area. The impacts will start to subside across the mid-Atlantic as the low slowly moves further offshore late Wednesday, with temperatures rebounding into the low to mid-60s Wednesday before climbing closer to average Friday. Further west, temperatures will remain above average across much of the Plains and Great Lakes region, with highs Wednesday in the low to mid-70s for the lower Great Lakes, upper 70s to low 80s for the middle and lower Mississippi Valley, and upper 80s to 90 degrees for the southern plains. But a potent cold front moving southward from Canada will bring much cooler fall-like air to the northern plains Thursday, with highs dipping into the low to mid-40s across the Dakotas and Upper Great Lakes before spreading even further south Friday. Highs will also be above average in the west through Friday, with upper 70s and low 80s for the Pacific Northwest and Great Basin, lower 90s for the central California valleys, low to mid-70s along the California coast, 
and mid-90s to near 100 degrees for the desert southwest. Conditions will remain dry through at least the end of the week. A frontal system sagging southeastward across the southwest and intermountain west toward a region of anomalous surface moisture will lead to the potential of heavy rainfall in Arizona and New Mexico over the next several days. This leading to a marginal risk of excessive rainfall for the region through Thursday with the potential existing for isolated heavy rainfall rates associated with showers and storms that can lead to flash flooding. I'm Kevin Gordon. Pleased to welcome back to the program Ellen Boya. She is the president, CEO, and founder of Women in Trucking. And I always look forward to this segment every month, and I'm glad we're able to do this. Um, welcome back to the program, Ellen. Well, thanks, Kevin. I appreciate you having me on the air. Not a problem at all. Um, yeah, wow. I, just from last month to now, the, the amount of news coming through your organization is absolutely incredible. <laughs> Uh, I guess we ought to start off and talk about the uh, uh, member of the month, which is, uh, again, an interesting story uh, from this woman and, and how she got into the trucking industry. You know, I'm glad you asked about this because Jessica Olson, our October member of the month, is has an interesting story. You know, when we talk about women in trucking, it's all types of vehicles, whether it's straight trucks or it's garbage trucks or it's, you know, whatever. And Jessica drives a boom truck. <laughs> um, her story starts with her working at a truck stop. And of course, during COVID, when things shut down, um, she, she had wanted to be in the trucking industry anyway. So she used her pandemic money to get her CDL and uh, started with uh, ABC Supply. And she's driving a boom truck, and she says she absolutely loves it. Yeah, she, she talked about uh, getting uh, now operating a crane and going through the certification process for that. Now, what's interesting is in the past we've talked about the women in trucking that have gotten that been attracted to trucking, which um, have been people in the service industry. You indicated people that had been in the medical profession that said, "Hey, you know, I'm tired of people coughing on me, so I want to get into this." And then being in the service industry and especially working as a waitress in a tr uh, truck stop, she, I guess, according to the article, she talked to a lot of the truck truckers and got interested in it. But then COVID hit. She became a single mom and then uh, kind of put her plans on hold, but then used her, as you mentioned, used her stimulus money. And, and just, what a great story. I mean, taking advantage of an opportunity and just, and just running through the door with it. You know, and the fact that she got her certification um, from the National Commission for the Certificate certification of crane operators, you know, that gives her an extra level of professionalism um, that makes her even more employable and also um, shows that she's really uh, invested in this career. Yeah. Um, and, she, and I love the quote in here. She said, I stumbled upon crane operations simply because my previous employer was in the top of the alphabetical list. So I guess when she started applying for jobs, she started with A, then to B, and she wound up with ABC, which happened to get her into the the, the, the crane operation. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think that's hilarious. I, I, I mean, but hey, you know what? Serendipity, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, whatever it takes. And it's always interested, always interesting how people get uh, actually change careers and, and divert into something that they had maybe thought about, but then all of a sudden jump into it with both feet. Of course, we're talking with Ellen Voya. She is the president, CEO, and uh, founder of Women in Trucking. Now, um, also, uh, she has uh, 
in May, she um, let me see, she began her career at uh, SRS Distribution as a, a professional driver logistics specialist and boom driver. Of, of So she's now gone from uh, the current... Also a crane operator with this company as well, correct? Correct, yeah, okay. at SRS Distribution. But, yeah, a boom operator. You probably don't see too many women, um, you know, operating uh, that type of equipment. Yeah, and she, she says it's like stepping into the shoes of a much larger, more powerful being, and each job is a puzzle <laughs> to solve. How cool is that? You know, you can tell she really loves her job. And you know what? She's going to make a decent amount of money, more than being a, a waitress at a truck stop, right? Well, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just and, – and a lot more flexible hours, I would I would assume. <laughs> I love her quote at the end here. Don't be afraid to go after intimidating specialty and always be confident in your own abilities. How cool is that? I love it. Yeah. Yep. That's why she's the member of the month. Excellent. All right, now we've got you've got your conferences coming up in uh, November, correct? That's correct. It's the 13th through the 15th, and we are so excited. We're hoping for 1,500, um, let's say 12 to 1,500, but I've put it out in the universe that I want to see 1,500 attendees, um, and that's what we're shooting for. But we were happy to um, receive word that the FMCSA, Federal Motor Care Safety Administrator, Robin Hutchinson will be our keynote on Monday morning. So we are so excited that she'll be um, attending in person at our event. So um, and we have so many sessions lined up. We've got over 100 different speakers. We've got breakout sessions. We've got roundtable discussions, um, just about anything that anyone might want to learn about in the trucking industry. Cool. Also, what, what was interesting when you mentioned her, uh, I noticed that you had mentioned that uh, you confirmed her for the conference and also did she did, actually did a ride along with the um, driver ambassador trailer. She actually did um, with one of our drivers, uh, not the driver ambassador, but one of our drivers from the image team. She did a ride along a few weeks ago. And so she rode with Carmen Anderson and uh, made a delivery. And, you know, it learned a little bit from her experience about what it's like for our drivers out on the road. Now, I should know this. I should have looked this up. But what is her background? I mean, I know she's the administrator of the FMCSA, but... Where did she come from? Yes. Um, yes. I'm sorry. I know that she had been in Utah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so... Well, I guess my question... transportation. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't trucking, though. Oh, I guess my question comes from the standpoint that uh, when you get people in these uh, bureaucratic positions... They tend to be a little bit heavy-handed because, you know, they think they're the center of the universe and then, okay, so we got to do all this regulation. But I like the idea of her coming into the truck and maybe a hands-on experience and see what some of the truckers go through so that as they start going through these administrative rules and regulations, say, you know, that may not be such a good idea for these truckers. Uh, absolutely. And they need to ride with them. I mean, she, okay, so she was in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, mm -hmm. She was a senior associate uh, at a law firm, and then she served as director of public works in Minneapolis. Um, so she, you know, doesn't have the trucking background, but she is willing to learn. She also spent a great deal of time in our driver ambassador trailer at the Mid-America Trucking Show, and she played with the simulator. I was just going to um, ask that. Or, yeah. <laughs> How'd she do? You know, she did great, um, and but she spent a lot of time in there. She was very, very interested, and she talked to our drivers and sat in the cab of the truck, and she really was um, very interested in learning about the industry. So we were thrilled when she agreed to do a ride-along with one of our drivers and make a delivery and, and just learn more about what our driver's life is like on the road. 
Well, that puts her a little bit of higher marks than a lot of people that I know that are in administrative positions. The willingness to learn about the business, willingness to get into, you know, get your hands dirty and find out just exactly what it is about these people that you are going to be regulating before too long and uh, maybe give her a little bit more of an appreciation for that. And hopefully at some point in time, I guess, uh, advisory board where she'd pick up the phone and call somebody like you and say, hey, Ellen, what do you think of this? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you, you know, she's been very approachable. And I, I also serve um, the Federal Motor Care Safety Administration Motor Care Safety Advisory Committee. So um, I also have interactions with her in that capacity as well. Okay. Uh, one final question before we get out of here. I probably should have started off with this. Are, what are you hearing from uh, your members down in Florida as far as uh, the hurricane aftermath? Well, they're checking in safe, which is good, um, letting us know they're safe. And I have, I do not personally know anyone who has experienced um, losing their home. But our carriers that are, uh, you know, that our members who are carriers are all scrambling because they're trying to get, uh, you know, products and water and services down there. So everybody is really scrambling in, uh, in overdrive up here. So even mm-hmm. though um, it might not affect them up here, but it's affecting their operations in Florida. Very good. Ellen, thanks for joining us. I certainly appreciate it. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The can't miss music event of the year is coming to the CW. The 2022 IHOP. segment, I usually take a step back and look at today in transportation history. Again, I like to go back and look at some of the achievements that went before us and have an appreciation to see some of the mistakes that were made and then make sure that you don't make those going forward. The old saying, if you do not learn from history, you're destined to repeat it, is certainly true. Now, on this date, October the 5th, 1872, in Southern California, construction of a major wooden pier along the Pacific coast was completed in the city of Ventura. And last, a steamer can lay alongside the wharf and discharge and take on cargo and passengers, reported the Ventura Signal newspaper. It is a grand improvement upon the old way and duly appreciated by shippers and travelers. You know, I, living in the greater Cincinnati area, we were very big into, well, our, our city was pretty much built on steamboats and river traffic and that type of thing. And if you look at old pictures from back in the 1800s and our early 1800s, you'd see these, uh, um, these paddle wheelers pull up and they'd have these ramps that would go from the, the ship to the shore where it would have to extend out, of course, depending upon how high the water was, et cetera. And so it was a very narrow plank, and to get passengers off and cargo on, it was a very tedious and very slow process. But when you have a pier, the way this was constructed, uh, you have the ship lining up completely the length of the pier, and you can offload passengers and goods um, a lot more efficiently. Plans for the construction of the Ventura Wharf had taken shape during the spring of 1871. Leading forces for the development of the pier were local residents John Wolfson and Juan Camarillo, 
Uh, the first piling of the uh, Ventura Wolf, uh, Wharf was driven into the ground in May of 1872. A ceremony was held in which Carmelo's, uh, Camarillo's daughter, Francesca, who would marry Wolfson later on the following year, broke a bottle of champagne. Ventura Wharf established, uh, Ventura Wharf, I said, I must have werewolves of London in the back of my mind here. Anyway, Ventura Wharf established itself as a pivotal transportation hub in the area. Among other things, the pier facilitated the arrival and departure of ships at Ventura at a time when those vessels were the city's most reliable means of transportation. It wasn't until the construction of a railroad in the area in 1887, which was 15 years later, that there was finally a viable local option for surface transportation. Ventura Wolf, there I go again. Ventura Wharf remained a significant commercial transportation center for many years, despite the multiple shipwrecks, storms, and fires it experienced. Between 1938 and 1995, the Ventura Wharf, measuring 1,000 known as Ventura Pier, is currently 1,600 feet long. And while no longer serving commercial wharf, the pier is extensively used today by both fishing and as a pedestrian walkway. It's also become the popular filming spot. Appearances in such productions as 1990 TV series Melrose Place and in 2006 Little Miss Sunshine. So on this date, October the 5th, 1872. Uh, by the way, if you missed any part of the program, make sure you hit that uh, iHeartRadio app. Go to 700WLW. Scroll through the various shows. Find America's Trucking Network. Uh, find uh, the shows and all the interviews are right there at your fingertips. And, of course, that podcast is sponsored by Rush Truck Centers, and we certainly appreciate that. Now, yesterday we had the story talking about that, you know, like when I first started doing the show six months ago about a possible trucking bloodbath or the trucking winter because they're seeing falling rate prices and rates and uh, contract rates and spot rates and this type of thing and actually a slowing of, of, of loads. But again, as we talked about how they've stretched out the holiday season over a couple of months and tried to get these goods in trying to beat inflation – that kind of indicates that is that the traffic has been spread out over a period of time rather than compressed into that area. And where they're talking about that it seasonally should be higher, well, if you look at uh, transportation over the, uh, over the entire year, in my opinion, I think that's going to even out. Because, the, the, as I said, you know, you're seeing a lot of different things in the sectors where they're actually building additional warehouses. They're storing more. They're not uh, uh, beholden to the, uh, the whole thing of um, just-in-time inventory practices. Now, along with that is that, you know, again, as I have mentioned before, as a recovering accountant, um, there are certain economic numbers that I look at and when I see in this industry a lot of mergers and acquisitions continuing to go on, that is a good sign. Usually what you see in merger and acquisitions is that you have bad economic times. You have, I don't want to say they're vultures, but there are companies that are looking out there for a bargain. They'll see a company that is teetering on the edge, maybe not doing so well. Their sales are down or their uh, costs are way up, and they see an opportunity. So they go in, they buy that company for 
pennies on the dollar or what they would have been normally. And then they look at that in terms of a fit for their company as to whether or not they could turn things around, economies of scale or something along those lines. But what we've been seeing for at least the last six months in the trucking industry is we are seeing companies that are making record profits being acquired by other companies. You rarely see that. Usually, as I said, you're, they're usually looking for a bargain. But when they're buying a company that it's at the top of their revenue and they're making money, that is a really good sign because they're looking at that and thinking that, well, on top of the profits that they're currently making, we could increase that or it's a better fit for us to get into certain markets. And we're seeing that again. And, and in this particular story, Warner Enterprises acquires Baylor Trucking. A news release, Warner Enterprises said Baylor operates 200 trucks, 980 trailers in the East Central and South Central United States. Warner Enterprises said it plans to keep existing Baylor leadership, which is a good sign. It's not that the company is being run poorly and you got to get rid of the um, the old guard in order to um, move forward. So they're planning on keeping um, the leadership, drivers and non-driver associates, as well as the Baylor brand. Uh, moving adds uh, 234 drivers, 200 trucks, 980 trailers to Warner Enterprises' fleet. Baylor also achieved revenue. Um, they had increased revenue of up to $81.5 million for the 12 months ended October or August 31st, 2022. Now, when you look at um, Warner acquiring them, Warner currently, their revenue is at $2.7 billion. Even though this is a, you know, um, Baylor is a smaller company, Again, with them seeing an opportunity of getting into different markets than what they normally would get into or be available to get into, this is a good fit for them, and they see this as a good fit. So, again, when you're seeing uh, merger and acquisition activity in an industry, sometimes that, you know, in certain segments or certain downtimes, that's not a very good sign as far as the companies that are being sold. But in this instance, where companies are actually making money, and it's not a, a business decision that, well, we're getting ready to go under. Now, on the flip side of that, we are seeing, um, again, these, and I've, and I've talked about this before. When you have a, and, and you know this, as you, have you, as you, uh, do your market plan and uh, take on contracts and stuff, you don't want to be beholden to just one large company that you depend your entire revenue on that. Because if that comes, if that contract dies, then your company dies as well as it. And we're seeing that in the, uh, Pennsylvania, some companies there. And what it is, is that the postal service has changed the contracts with a lot of these companies and dropped the routes without any kind of warning on them. And then they're left with the trucks. They're le left with the revenue. They're le or no, no revenue, but they're still um, experiencing the expenses. And a lot of these companies are currently going out of business. A couple of them uh, off the top of the head is McClellan Trucking filed for bankruptcy and Western Di in the Western District of Pennsylvania. And Duran Transfer has also filed for bankruptcy. Well, folks, that does it for us. Certainly appreciate your time. And uh, coming up, we've got uh, Red Eye Radio, top of the hour. I'm Kevin Gordon. America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. The president to survey Hurricane Ian's damage in Florida. 
I'm Sean McCormick. Breaking now. Two days after he visited Puerto Rico, storm damage. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.